and welcome back to Minds of Metal. My name is Daria. And I'm Laz. And welcome to one of our classic album reviews. Yeah, this is the, uh, the series where we take a look into the back catalogue of heavy metal albums and pick out and review and discuss the ones that, well, the most famous and important ones that made the genre what it is today. And today we're bringing you Rainbow Rising. Before we begin, please don't forget to like this video. It really helps us promote the channel. Also, we'll be very happy if you subscribe and join our Minds of Metal community. And don't forget to leave a comment. It again really helps us promote the channel. And don't forget that we've got a dedicated podcast available as well. So the audio from the videos you're hearing is extracted, put onto the podcast for you guys to hear if you don't have time to watch the video. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Amazon and any other podcast providers you can think of. Okay, so why don't you give us some quick facts about the album? Right, so the album was released uh, 17th of May 1976. It was recorded a few months before in February of 1976. It was produced by Martin Birch, uh, who's also produced some Deep Purple albums. And the album, Rising, comes in at 33 and a half minutes, which is rather short, isn't it? Yeah. Um, now, something different from this album to the previous Rainbow album. The previous Rainbow album was called Richie Blackmore's Rainbow. But after that album, going into this album, Richie Blackmore only kept Ronnie James Dio from that previous band. He then invited, uh, who was it, Jimmy Bain on bass, Tony Carey on keyboards and Cozy Powell on drums for the newly formed Rainbow. Okay, so track one is called Tarot Woman. And... I just love it, okay? I am very biased here because I love Dio, absolutely, just so yeah. much for my heart. He is one of my biggest vocal inspirations. He's one of the best I've ever done it in rock and roll. Yeah, I do think so. And uh, I just love that they start the song with the keys. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's so interesting to hear. And imagine like if you were listening to it in 1976, you'd be like, oh. Yeah, hearing these futuristic <laughs> keyboards, you know, synth-sounding keyboards that are just providing this new atmosphere, really, because you're hearing it and you're thinking, whoa, this is completely different. Mm. And as Dash said, for 1976, this is quite a unique and different way to open a heavy metal album. Yeah. Uh, the thing I loved about Tower Woman is that I love the upbeat uh, feel to it. Yeah. Um, it really gives me like a, a proto-Iron Maiden vibe. Yeah. And I really hear these rhythms come in. And that's the one thing I think Richie Blackmore and the band nail in this album. Yeah. We'll, we'll get into it later, but for all intents and purposes, I think the first half of the album is a hard rock album with metal characteristics. And the second half is a metal music. But I think it's the likes of these rhythms that we're mentioning and talking about, which is what accentuates the metal feel to the first half of this album. Yeah, absolutely. And you actually already mentioned Iron Maiden. And I was going to say that I can really see Steve Harris taking a lot of inspiration for his songwriting for Maiden. That's right. And obviously Iron Maiden formed a year before this album came out and they were mm. writing music and preparing. Yeah. So yeah, why not? For the first album, which That's was right. 1980, wasn't yeah. it? So there you go. 
So the second song is called Run With The Wolf, which I think is really cool. I enjoy this one. It's got those heavy beats, the rhythm section, just really holding it down, yeah. keeping it nice and heavy. The guitar riff's kind of like a hard rock, kind of classic rock kind of guitar riff. Got a little bit of bluesy influence there, isn't it? Yeah, just a little bit here it, and yeah. there. Um, what I love about this song is the drum fills, Cozy Powell filling the whole way through it. And again, I love that this is, for me, a characteristic of heavy metal. Yeah. I know there are drum fills in rock music, but mm -hmm. I feel like, especially with this album, individual performances are key to this album. You've got Cozy Powell doing the drum fills in this songs, and we'll get to some other solos later. Yeah, and you know, it reminds me of like this continuous kind of rock jam. Yeah. And you want to groove with it. It's yeah, like, absolutely. it's the vibe, you know, I yeah. really like that vibe. And vocal harmonies. Throughout the whole album, actually. Lizzie harmonising with himself. I think so. I who, really love it. Who would you rather harmonise with? <laughs> if you're Dio, I'd just do it myself. Just do it with yourself. <laughs> and uh, uh, what's really interesting is that, I mean, pretty much all the songs on the album, including Run With The Wolf, end with a fade out. Yeah. Yeah, they do, actually. Which is very, I think that's quite... I don't know what that was. I mean, I know fade-outs were loved in the 80s and 90s. They used them quite a lot. But maybe, um, I don't really know what they were like in the 70s if they did a lot of them. Let us know in the comments if you know, if you found a, a pattern of fade-outs happening in the 70s. Um, but yeah, no, it's quite interesting as well. And I think for most of the songs, it works. Yeah, I, I think do. there's a couple maybe you could have made written an ending, but I love how they all fade out because it's just like one track. All right, we're done with this one. And here's the next one. Oh, we're done with that one. Yeah. I like it. I like it a lot. I like it. I like it. Lot. <laughs> Leave it in. Why not? <laughs> so from that, we will go to track three, which is called Starstruck. It's the Dumb and Dumber reference for anyone that got it. Um, uh, so the Starstruck one. What I like about this is that the guitar riff feels... Feels hard rocky, classic rocky, maybe even you could use the word blues. I don't want to use that word because it's not the the blues the blue notes are not there. You're not hearing a blues and blue notes, blues scales, blues progressions. But it does kind of feel that way with the licks he's playing. It's the groove of it. I think so. But the yeah. bass and drums are keeping it heavy. Mm -hmm. And that's what I like. Yep. And again, I really like the fact that keys in this album and in this song actually they play a huge part, very yeah. important role. And we can hear like, even, I think it's like even harmonizing keys yeah, and stuff. Yeah, like jewel, jewel. Like jewel something, like, yeah, it's it's cool. It's really great to listen to. I don't know, I really enjoy that. I thought that this one out of, out of all of the tracks on this album, this one could most be a Deep Purple song. Mm. As in you can hear, I can hear, yeah. I can hear this somewhere on a Deep Purple album. Yeah. Um, which I thought is cool. But then again, that's obvious because you've got the Richie Blackmore influence coming yeah. in. And I think actually talking about the next track, which is Do you Close Your Eyes, it's continuing that vibe. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. With Do You Close with Do uh, with Do You Close Your Eyes. That's a tongue twister. I say that. Do you with, close do you, your eyes? Do you close your eyes? With, no, we put the with in front. With Do You Close Your Eyes. With Do you, With Do You Close Your Eyes. With Do You Close Your Eyes. <laughs> with Do You Close Your Eyes. Sorry, guys. Um, I, I, I heard a big influence, for example, of this glam metal stuff, Def Leppard, kind of like a bit of Motley Crue, just accessible. Yeah. Accessible, yeah. nice choruses. But it is, it, it is heavy as well in its place. You know, like I said before, I feel like these first four songs are kind of hard rock songs with metal characteristics slash influences. Um, 
But yeah, what do you, yeah. do you think about this one? I think it's just continuing the same vibe. So I don't really have much to say about it. Like you've said it all, really. Yeah. So, I mean, can we just go to Stargazer, please? Yeah. Can we please talk about Stargazer? Go for it. I love that song so much. It's probably one of the first songs I learned, like rock songs, to yeah. sing when I started singing rock and metal. And I think it's just, obviously, we can't ignore the vocals. They are the, it's all centered around the vocals here. Yeah. It's the epic Dio performance. It's, it's just a huge track. How famous is it? It's like, well, it's still out there, isn't it? Yeah, but I, I think it should be more famous. I think this is one of the <laughs> most important heavy metal tracks of all time because yep. this was one of the tracks where, one of the first track, like these hard rock heavy metal tracks where, it's eight and a half minutes long. Yeah. This gave bands like Iron Maiden the license to go on and write eight, nine, ten minute songs. And it's because yeah. guys like Blackmore and Dio and, and the rest of the band said, well, screw it, we'll try. You know, we'll have a go at it. And I think the keys and guitar parts, you know how it's, it's not at the background. It is very much around the vocals as well. But it's so important like i really listened to it yesterday properly although i listened to this song so many times but i listened to it focusing on the guitars yeah. and the keys and the instrumentation and all the scales that the keys play mm. and the guitars it's like this mid-eastern vibes yeah it's just so interesting so intricate and actually quite complicated well, yeah, that's, a, that's a great point you make. So it's worth coming on to the next section, which is talking about classical music, which I didn't think... Mm. You guys didn't think we'd do that, did you? But classical music has a huge part to play in heavy metal, and I'll explain why. In the end of the 60s, going into the 70s, you've got progressive rock happening. You've got bands like Emerson, Lake and Palmer, Genesis, and Yes, doing their stuff. Now, what they are is they're a rock band with, classically, with classical music influenced. Keith Emerson uh, from Emerson, Lake and Palmer, he was a classical piano player. Listen to any of their tracks and you'll hear the classicalness in his playing. Now, after those bands kind of got bigger and sort of became more prominent in the rock world, Richie Blackmore has this fascination with neoclassical compositions, which is basically, like Dash said, using these odd scales that you wouldn't normally hear in rock and applying it to his rock music. You can hear this in Stargazer. The, the solo he plays after the second yeah. verse is in B Phrygian dominant. I knew it was Phrygian. We don't need to explain what it is. It's just okay. another scale that's not normal. You normally hear major scales, minor scales, blues scales, yeah. pentatonics. These are odd scales. Um, we're not going to go into the... No. Into the oh, please, let's not, because no. it's pain of my uni life. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough <laughs> it to understand, <laughs> unless you're sort of a, a guitarist and you can sort of fully picture all the notes. Yeah. But why this is important is because this is where I feel the album turns into a heavy metal album, an out-and-out -out heavy metal album, because a number of critics, most notably a gentleman, a Canadian journalist called Martin Popov, his, one of his definitions of metal is that heavy metal began when you take the blues out of rock. Mm. And, when, and then the part I'm adding to this like is when you add classical in. Because don't forget, the, the year before, you've got Zeppelin doing physical graffiti. And whilst that album is just a rock album, you can still hear Zeppelin's influence from the blues coming in. There's a number of songs which have some bluesy progressions, bluesy tones, bluesy rhythms. Whereas Rainbow, on the other side, they removed that blues, just like Sabbath did. 
just like Atomic Rooster did, you know, Uriah Heep, all these bands, they took the blues out of their music and that's what makes it metal. But the part I like is that Blackmore took the classical in. And, yeah, yeah, because of the strings in the yes. end. The strings yeah. in the end, but the more appropriately, like you said, the scales they were Scales. The solos throughout the whole of Stargazer, they're not bluesy solos, which is like, if you listen to a Jimmy Page solo, quite bluesy. Whereas check out a Richie Blackmore solo, way more classically inspired. I mean, I read something yesterday that the um, Smoke on the Water riff by Deep Purple is like a, 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 a melody from Beethoven, one of Mozart's symphonies reversed or something like that. What? Richie Blackmore was hugely into his classical music and you can hear it in such a fantastic way. Because you're, what, what you're, I'll put it very simply, what you're hearing in his guitar playing and what's he called? Uh, Tony Kerry's keyboard playing is classical melodies, notes, scales, arpeggios, whatever. You're hearing it in a rock band format. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just trying to reverse smoke and the water in my head singing. So dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would be forever trying to figure out which Mozart symphony but came from. But you know, from. it's really interesting. Yeah. I have to, I really have to check that out. But yeah, I love the string section. And you know, it just brings that epicness into it. I mean, it was already epic, like it needed to be more yeah. epic. It really didn't. But it just brings even more. And you're like, yeah. Well, the thing that that, adding that, so that was the Munich Philharmonic Orchestra, for anyone that doesn't know. Um, this then opens up another can of worms with this album, which is that this actually could be considered, actually, I'm not going to say the whole album, I'm going to say the two tracks, Stargazer and A Light in the Black. These tracks could be considered the founding fathers of power metal. Oh, I could see that. Yeah, definitely. Why didn't you explain what power metal is? So power metal is... Traditional metal elements played faster with, a, with, in some cases, a symphonic element. So like the classical orchestra and playing. And traditional metal elements being? Um, well, stuff that Sabbath would play. Yeah. Heaviness, doomy, no blues. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, it's check, overall, sorry, check out our episode on Black Sabbath album. Because we did the Paranoid yeah. album. Yeah. Uh, it's overall, it's a lighter, faster, more uplifting feel. There's a song called Through the Fire and Flames by a band called Dragon Force. And people will have a go at me because that, that shouldn't be the number one power metal song, but it's the number one that comes when I think about it. And you listen to it and there, you want to smile that there is a positivity to it. There is a, a happiness. It sounds nice to listen to, but it's still heavy, fast metal. And that's what the power metal side of this is. Anthemic choruses. Yep. Faster playing. Fantasy subject matter. Now that's a huge, big deal. Huge deal. This album, I don't want to, uh, hold on, we'll go back to that. I don't want to say we too much. We will talk about lyrics it's, as well. Like I said, the lighter, faster, more uplifted feel, but with still heaviness in the instruments and the rhythms and dissonance in the chords and harmonies because it's heavy metal. Yeah, and you know what I think you mean by saying that it's happier? I think you mean it's like it's empowering. It's like... You look. You want to go like hell yeah. No, it. no. I mean that it's nice to listen to. Listen oh, okay. to the first song of Black Sabbath's first album. And it's like, oh, this isn't nice to listen to. Whereas <laughs> okay. the other ones, that that Dragon Force one now. is the best example because you listen to it. It's heavy. It's fast. It's mm. speedy. It's full of solos, but it's nice to listen to. It's pleasant. 
You can sit, you can put on that Dragon Force song with your family around and they'll be like, oh, do you know what? This isn't too bad. Family gathering. Whereas you yeah. couldn't put Sabbath um, on, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I see what you're saying now. I do. I kind of thought that you went in another direction there, but no, you didn't. Okay. Okay. The, the, thing, the thing I mentioned before that we'll get back to is the lyrics. Do you yes. want to talk about the lyrics of Stargazer? Oh, yeah. It's like about a wizard who, there's something about a tower built like the, there was a tower being built or something yeah so he enslaved several human or several a bunch of humans to yeah. build this tower for him so that he could get closer to the stars and it, it's it's an odd thing maybe D, i mean dio did write them but what's important is that the fantasy element of it and you've got mm -hmm. it throughout the whole album a tarot woman is a woman who reads cards yeah. uh to determine your future True. um run with the wolf you know, I, I don't literally think he means go to bloody Siberia and run with a wolf. I think he means a mystical wolf, a fantastical wolf. A Light in the Black will get there, but yeah. that is a sequel to Stargazer. It's a song written from the point of view of the humans after the wizard fell. Sorry, spoiler alert. Um, the wizard fell and the, what A Light in the Black lyrically concerns what the humans did after mm. he fell. And another fade out, can they just another say Another fade out, yeah. Another fade out. Um, <laughs> But it's really important, those lyrics, because it signifies... And check this out, this is going to make you laugh. This signifies the beginning, so I've read, of Castle Metal. Okay. What? <laughs> I've never heard What's of that What's Castle before. Metal? I think it means, like, the, the fantasy, the medieval side, castles and dragons and everything. Castle um, Metal. I don't like it. I'm not going to use that term. But I, like, I like that someone sort of saw that and attributed it these lyrics to being the beginning of Castle Metal. I mean, I just, I sometimes get completely lost in all these genres, that yeah. subgenres that we have. It's, We're not going to use Castle Metal. It's <laughs> just a little bit much, guys. There is a it's lot. It's just a bit much. Um, other parts about Stargazing, let's see what I've got. Uh, again, just the classically influenced solos, you can hear it there. There's not a single ounce of bluesiness in that. It's classically inspired. Um... Very complex instrumentally and musically. Yes. Hits in the post-chorus, uh, the length of the instrumental, some of the odd chords being used. And this is what I'm talking about, about the influence that classical music had on prog rock. And now prog rock is having on the likes of, well, we'll call it metal because of Rainbow. I imagine Richie Blackmore looking at the bands like Emerson, Lake and Palmer and Yes and saying, well, let's make our songs longer. Let's put lengthier mm -hmm. instrumental sections in our songs. Why not? And because we've got the perfect example here with the two last songs of the yep. albums. Yeah. Should we talk about A Light in the Black? Um, or do you have anything else? To no, say? I was just, I just thought the rhythms, yeah, Stargazer, both one of our favourite songs of all time. Yeah. And I, like I said, I think I, I, would, I would genuinely consider putting it in the top 10 or 20 most important heavy metal songs of all time. Uh, another, so this, so my point is, this is why I've got a lot to say. The, the rhythms throughout are very, very heavy. Yeah. Throughout the whole of the verse. Then the pre-chorus. Oh, no, I see. Where's your star? And then again, everything chorus, the bass during the guitar solo, just this constant heaviness rhythmically being delivered. Yeah. The only other thing I had to add about this song was the keyboard. You mentioned it in Tarot Woman, is that the keyboard plays a huge part. Forget yeah. the soloing. Listen to the keyboard in the pre-chorus. 
it's just sat at the back playing one or two notes in a very sort of, it's almost like harmonising Dio's melody, yeah. not properly, but just a little bit. Yeah. And I just think it's fantastic because it adds such atmosphere, such another texture, another layer. It's almost like if the keyboard was removed, I consider calling this a rock song for, for, <laughs> for that for that, for that that pre-chorus. I think it just adds so much in that section. It does. It does. And what I'm a song. Just, I'm, just, I'm just playing it in my head now. I, just, yeah, I get absolutely. goosebumps. Every, oh, look at you him, do? In, I get oh, goosebumps every time. Because I think of that oh, ending <laughs> where he's just vamping, you know. Yeah. And to see him fly. Yeah. You don't know why. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, ah, oh, just coming home. You do it, power metal, it's like coming it home. Is. You want to just like, like yeah. yeah, my eyes are bleeding. <laughs> Incre okay. Anyway, like, let's stop starting. We can next. just, we can go on and on about Stargazer, yeah. really. Final track. Lights in the Black. A Light in the Black, yeah, fantastic. Another one, and I think it's fantastic because it does, it is a sequel lyrically, and I also think musically. Musically as well. Yeah. I'm coming It's a different home. song, yeah. but it's, okay. it's still sort of connected. Um, uh, you know, can I just say here about Dio, okay? I think it's just sort of, it's a great place to sum up his vocal performance just on this album because... You've heard it all. You've heard it all yeah. and it's very conversational phrasing because he is telling us a story with this awesome bells. So there's yeah. this kind of storytelling and there's bells, you know. And all of that, together with his gritty rawness, like this vocal, it's, it's really it's really raw, I think, mm. and powerful. And he's, you know what, his diction is amazing, okay? This is the problem mm. with today's singers, okay? Can't understand a word, okay? And you, you, you don't, but you don't story. mean screaming and shouting. You no, mean no, singing. No, 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 I mean actually like articulating the words. Yeah. It's so proper, and this is where his classical, like what you said, operatic yeah. influence coming in 100%. You can really follow the story. You don't need to really even like get the lyrics up. Yeah. You can hear everything he's singing. Absolutely. And, and, and I think that lends itself to this, sorry, I think this lends itself to this castle. Because it's like, you, that he's trying to tell a story. So you've got to narrate the story properly. You can't tell a yeah, story yeah. and not understand half yeah. of the words they're saying. It's got and uh, he's just perfect, like honestly. He's perfect. And this is probably my favourite performance of his, um, Stargazer and A Light in the Black. Yeah, um, and uh, did you have was it Light in the Black? I was just going to talk about the crazy keys solo. Okay, go for it. But yeah, what do you think about it? I just feel like it's just going completely, just nuts. Yeah, well, again, <laughs> I think I, I hear loads of classical melodies in there. It's classically inspired. Um, and it is crazy. And, and I think what I really like, that's another signature heavy metal characteristic that could have been started with this album or, you know, in and around this is the dual lead instruments. Yeah. Finn Lizzy was so famous for doing this way early on in their career. And then that manifested into metal doing it. And it's two guitars playing the same line, but one maybe harmonizing the other or maybe not, maybe playing in unison. We've got it. After the keyboard solo, you've got the keys and guitar sharing a melody. After the guitar solo, you've got the guitar and the keys. Uh, sorry, that you've got two guitars. And then after that, you've got keys and a guitar. Mm -hmm. And I love the dual lead. It's called dual lead 
well, it's normally guitar, so you'd say dual lead guitar. We'll call it dual lead instruments, which is where they're just doubling the melodies. Yep. The bass and the drums are keeping the rhythm really nice and tight, whilst the lead instruments, the melodic instruments, minus uh, the vocals, are just playing these melodies, but harmonising it on top. And I yep. love that. And you know what I also love? Like you said about it being a continuation of Stargazer, in yeah. a way. I love that structure-wise, actually very similar as well, because we've got this midsection, you know, solo midsection, going back to the verse, and same happened in Stargazer. Yeah. No, you're so right, it yeah. is a sort of a continuation of Stargazer, like, yeah, um, what else? You mentioned the scales. You've got that weird scale at the end, which is oh, like, I'm coming home. But Do it's you know what scale no, it is? No, I haven't looked into it, no. Um, almost, I almost don't want to know. I'm, ha I'm happy I'm happy trusting Richie Blackmore. Um, Fair enough. <laughs> the one, the only other part, I, the only other point I had to make about this song, which is quite inter uh, in interesting, is the inclusion of the double bass kick drums the right. patterns here because this is one of the first examples where we get this on the double bass the first example in metal or in rock i can give is fireball by deep purple in 1971 but then cozy power doing it in this song just listen where is it it's the um verses you know you've got some of the double stuff in the verses but in the solo as soon as the solo starts cozy power's there going and that's really interesting, especially because we're seeing um, the innovation of double kick drumming in heavy metal and hard rock around this time. Yeah, and I am the queen of fade outs today. There's no fade out. No, no, but I'm happy with that because There's it no draws it to a close. I know, and I'm like, yeah, what an end to the album. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you know, fade out, fade out, fade out. No fate. Because it, it does feel like a journey throughout the album. Yeah. And we're like, okay, I said it earlier, we're on this journey. Okay, we fade out, we'll start another song journey. Okay, but, but then comes to a conclusive and decisive end with a light in the black. Overall, it's this album feels to me like a bridge between 70s and 80s sort of thing. You know, the metal, like you said, um, all these influences, like kind of, even within this one album, yeah, we have first half is like more hard rocky, second half is more metal. But then you, you could, you, but Iron Maiden, you could, you could hear where Iron Maiden got yeah. some ideas from from the first and the second half of the album. Exactly. So this is why I think it's like it's such an important album, yeah, for metal to come from like the eighties onwards, and yeah, you're absolutely right because so so you've got to think from. From 1970 to 75, you had the first wave of heavy metal. You could put British in there. The first wave of British heavy metal. Your Sabbaths, your Uriah Heaps, Atomic Rooster. Then from 75 to 80, you've got the second wave, which is UFO, Thin Lizzy, Rainbow. You know, Deep Purple is somewhere. Deep Purple are more in the first one. Um, but it's just lovely to see how, you know, we discussed it. The early Deep Purple and Sabbath, and then how Dio and Blackmore, what they did to sort of build on that from here to get to Rainbow Rising and then what we could think the likes of Iron Maiden and Def Leppard took from Rainbow in the 80s. Yeah. But it's just fascinating. It's incredible, it. you know, yeah. breaking it down. This is what I mean, like, one of the goals for me personally, I'm sure you'll agree with me, for this channel is to sort of unravel all these albums and elements of heavy metal that made it what it is actually today. Yeah. And I'm just fascinated, like, I knew everything I was going to say today and, like, 
I roughly know because we've talked about this before. Yeah. I kind of roughly knew where you was you stand on this album as well. But it's just amazing to me to see how important this is. Yeah, I mean, I so think weird. it's one of those albums that goes under the radar because it wasn't, you know, you got to think Black Sabbath released uh, Sabotage a year before this. So what we knew heavy metal was, he heavy metal was Sabbath through the 70s. Like I said, there was all those other bands who were doing bits for it. Rainbow, Lizzie, Uriah Heep, UFO. They're all doing parts for it and putting their hat into the metal ring. But Sabbath was still the benchmark of where metal was. Yeah. And this... This Rising album sounds very different to Sabotage from Black Sabbath. But looking at what it could have done for future generations of metal is what I think you're alluding to and how yeah. important it is. Because you can hear bits in this album. Like I said at the start, for me, the first half is like a hard rock album with some metal characteristics. Whereas the second half, for me, is pure metal. It's just metal. So, yeah, yeah. Do you have anything else to add? No, I'm just processing this because... It's it's so amazing. It's just yeah. it's just so I didn't realize, to be quite honest with you, how how important it is. And I hope that you guys will see it after like today's episode because yeah, I just kind of broke it all down for myself. Like oh my god! Don't forget, <laughs> two years after this album, Rainbow released another one called Long Live Rock and Roll, which is a great album. Oh. But two years after that, in nineteen eighty. Mr. Ronnie James Dio went and joined Black Sabbath. Heaven and Hell. What's There's a Heaven song. That's right, yeah. There's a song called Children of the Sea on Heaven and Hell. Listen to Stargazer and then listen to Children of the Sea by Black Sabbath. And you'll hear what Dio was able to bring. And like I said, Sabbath were the benchmark of metal. So even in 1980, when Heaven and Hell came out, although Ozzy left and Dio came in, they were still what metal is. Yeah. So how does the biggest band on Metal Earth, Black... Um, how does the biggest... What did I say? How's the biggest band on Earth... Did I say on Metal Earth? You can say that. Imagine how the biggest metal band on Earth, adding a classically trained singer when you've had Ozzy in your band for 10 years. <laughs> what did that do for metal? That's where the likes, I think, the likes of power metal grew because you listen oh, to a lot yes. of power metal bands and they have very symphonic, operatic singers. I mean, you know, well, let's not even go that far. Uh, Bruce Dickinson. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's go. just one easy example to yeah. use. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. I've got one more thing to add, and that is the album cover. Because I think it is metal as fuck. Because... Oh, now you swore we have to put the E thing. That's okay. We could just blur it, put a line across <laughs> okay. it. okay. It doesn't matter. A rainbow. A rainbow is not heavy metal. A rainbow is all lovely colours. Oh, when the rain falls and it's sunny, but when the rain and sun falls and the rainbow comes, oh, it's lovely. How do you turn that into, like, heavy metal? Well, what you do is you get an, an arm crunching it, surrounded by gothic, fantastical mountains and skies. Yeah, it really is really cool wicked. Stuff. It is. I'm just, I'm just again looking at. It. I'm gonna put it on the screen so you guys can see it. So. Essentially, yeah. almost makes the album heavier for me. Yeah. yeah because yeah. when I'm listening to Stargazer, I've got the image in my head of this hand crushing a rainbow. <laughs> Everything about this album, I, I think oh, it's yes. a genuinely outstanding album, and I think it unfortunately doesn't get the, the, the praise it deserves, and that might be because of the first four songs, although they're great songs. There's nothing ultra, ultra special about them. 
it's the last two songs where the yeah. specialness, the innovation, the proper metalness is solidified. You know, I think it's one of these albums where uh, people who are really into music and studying music and musicians as yeah. well, I think this album gets a lot of recognition from people kind of in the music circle per se yeah. and not for like just the audience you know the yeah, people who just listen you know the listeners but yeah Thank Excellent. you for being with us today. Yeah, let us know your Loved thoughts it. on the album. I mean, I think it's pretty... I know everyone loves Stargazer. Yeah. A, another quick thing to add, I will be quick, is that if you go on the Wikipedia page of Rising, take a look at everyone who's covered a song from that album. Oh, They're yeah, all metal bands. They're all mm. metal bands. You're not seeing some rock band cover it. They're all metal bands. And that, to me, is the final piece of evidence to show that this yeah. is such a hugely important heavy metal album. Love it. Thank it? you so much for being with us. All right. <laughs> Have a metal day. Do we? Do you have anything else to <laughs> no, say? No, no, no. No, no I'm just like... Oh, I thought we were going to do the normal comments. No, no, we are. Let's well, do no, it. We did that at the start. Yeah, but still, guys, like our video, please, if you haven't yet. Have you enjoyed this episode? I mean, I've enjoyed it so much. I yeah. hope you... Hope that kind of showed as well. Let us know your thoughts. Like, subscribe, share with the Rainbow fan. <laughs> the band. Not not fans of the Rainbows outside. Um, but yeah. <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> I don't know, some people like rainbows. <laughs> Whatever. I like rainbows. Oh man, what is this? What what are we doing? Honestly. Oh, and now, now I'm just gonna just rip our black backdrop. Look, guys, this has been very informal, but can I say? I like it like that. Yeah. A few laughs. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. We'll see you very soon. Have a metal day. Have a lovely day.